We thank you so much for the blessed privilege of coming together to share your word. Open our eyes now that we'll see wonderful things in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text from today can be found in the gospel according to St. Luke, verses 1 through verse 11. However, I'll read verse 1 down through verse 8. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets were breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. I want to preach today from the subject, Peter, a lesson on obedience. Peter, a lesson on obedience. The month of September is the spiritual discipline of, of obedience for the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church. And obedience in the context of Christianity is simply this. It's our willingness to obey the word, the will, and the ways of God. However, the sad reality concerning some obeying God, it can be summed up in the words of Peter Marshall, the former chaplain for the U.S. Senate, who states, Our problem with obedience it's not so much that we don't know what to do. We know perfectly what to do, but we don't want to do it. Quote by Peter Marshall, former chaplain for the U.S. Senate. Noted pastor and teacher, one time president of Dallas Theological Seminary, Chuck Swindoll, tells of a time when he spoke with former astronaut Charles M. Duke. And during the course of their conversation, Pastor Swindoll asked General Duke, while on, on his space journey, was he free to make his own decisions and to carry out his own experiments while he was out there in space? And Duke just smiled and said, sure, if I didn't want to return to Earth. He went on to describe the intricate plan, the precise instructions, the essential discipline and instant obedience that was needed right down to the split second. In fact, the former astronaut explained how they landed with 60 seconds of fuel left. Talk about obedience. Well, obedience is the backdrop of today's scripture lesson. The text begins with Luke chapter 1, where there's a very large crowd of people. They gather to hear the word of God from Jesus as he stood by the lake of Genezareth. Uh, Standing there, Jesus noticed two empty 
boats. He's out there to preach. He's out there to provide the word. The people are there. And he sees two empty boats. And the fishermen are nearby washing their nets. That's interesting uh, that Simon and the crew have no real interest in Jesus. I mean, they've been out fishing all night. They're washing their nets. And um, Jesus wants to preach. He sees these boats, but he sees the fishermen. So Jesus steps onto one of the boats uh, belonging to Simon whose name would later be changed to Peter. And then he asked Simon to move the boat out a little, a short distance from the land. It's interesting, but at this point, Simon, without debate, or dialogue, deliberation, or delay, submitted to the will of Jesus, and he moved his boat out just a little bit. And from that vantage point, verse 3 tells us, Jesus sat down, and he began to teach the multitudes from the boat. Notice Jesus used the movement of Simon's boat to get into a place where the people standing around could see him and could hear him better. Imagine, if you will, it was Simon's obedience. It was his willingness to make just a slight adjustment that leveraged his boat, making it a pulpit, a platform, a position from which Jesus sat and taught the people the word of God. Verse 3 confronts me, as I hope it confronts you. It confronts me with questions like, what adjustments do I need to make in my principles in my practices that will help people see and hear Jesus better. Simon made a, a slight adjustment, and because he made that adjustment, it enabled the people to hear and see Jesus. This challenges me. I hope it challenges you. What modifications, here's another challenge for me, what modifications do I need to make in my words and in my walk and even in my will, that will help people see and hear Jesus better. What fine-tuning do I need to make? Listen to me carefully. What fine-tuning do I need to make in my attitude and in my actions that will help people see Jesus? Have you ever thought about that? What? What, what adjustments do you need to make? What fine-tuning do you need to make in your attitude and in your actions that will help people get a better view of Jesus? What corrections, what alterations, what modifications, what amendments do I need to make so that my family, so that, so that my church family, so that my neighbors and so that my friends and so that everybody who I encounter in the marketplace will be able to see Jesus and hear Jesus just a little bit better. Well, verse 3 shines the light upon the reality that our humble obedience to Jesus is paramount, is key. Our obedience to Jesus is paramount, it's key, it's, it's a stepping stone, it's a building block, it's a bridge that helps 
people to see and hear Jesus better. Our obedience is paramount to help people see and hear Jesus better. Well, in verse 3, Peter passed the obedience test. The story continues in verse 4, which states, When Jesus had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep. Now imagine that Jesus has asked him to make a, a minor adjustment in his boat, with his boat. Jesus has preached to the people. He's preached the word of God to people. And now he tells Simon, Simon, I want you to, to launch out into the deep. I want you to move your boat out into the deep waters. Not only that, Simon, I want you to move your boat out into the deep waters. I want you to let down your nets again. I want you to drop your nets again. And then Jesus guarantees a catch. He says, let down your nets for a catch. Now, this command is much more of a challenge for Simon. Don't miss that. This command is much more of a challenge for Simon. It's more than simply moving his boat. Because perhaps while he moved his boat, he could continue doing what it was he was doing. But now Jesus is asking him to move his boat out into the deep and start fishing all over again after he had failed miserably last night. In addition to that, Simon is tired. And in addition to being tired, he has just washed his nets. And in addition to being tired and just washed his nets, he's all set and ready to go home. Imagine that. You're working your job. It's been a long day. It's been a long night at work. And now all of a sudden, your supervisor comes and tells you it's time to start over again. So Simon explains to Jesus in verse 5, saying, Master, we have toiled all night, and we've caught nothing. Can't you imagine Simon, this, 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 this rough, tough guy, explaining to Jesus as, as best he can, Master, he calls him Master, we have toiled all night, and we've caught nothing. You, you, can, you can just imagine the implications in that in that text, in that, in that tone, in what Peter and what Simon is saying. But then he says the amazing words, Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Nevertheless, I will humbly submit my will to your will. Nevertheless, Jesus, you can have it your way. I'll do what you tell me to do. Oh, how important it is for us to have some neverthelessness in the way we approach Jesus. In our world of certainty, in our world of habit, in our world of doing things, we need to remain flexible, pliable, moldable, shapeable enough to have some neverthelessness as we relate to Jesus. So he says, nevertheless, at your word I'll let down the net. Now, now that's obedience at its finest. 
submission at its finest. Here it is. Simon is tired after fishing all night. Imagine that. He's tired after fishing all night. He's probably hungry after fishing all night. He's disappointed. He's disappointed and he's frustrated at the outcome of his trip. Keep that in mind. Everything that could go wrong that night obviously had gone wrong. He now has to go home and face Mrs. Simon empty-handed and perhaps explain to her why it is they will not be having fish for dinner tonight. Well, with all that going on, yet he said, in humble submission to Jesus. Master, if you say so, I'll do it. It's, it's inconvenient, it's inconsistent with what I want to do, but because nevertheless, Jesus, because you said so, I will do it. So here's the takeaway. Here's the reality. There are times in life when Jesus will ask you and will ask me to do things that seems unreasonable. Can I get a witness? There'll be times when Jesus will ask us to do things that seem to be untimely. Like, yeah, Jesus, I hear what you're saying. I, I know what your word is saying, but, but this is not the right time. There will be times when Jesus will ask us to do things that appear to be unthinkable. Yeah, Jesus, I know what you want me to do, but I really don't want to do that. that that's unthinkable. I, I haven't thought about it that way. I haven't thought through it. I, my thinking is not that way. To some, it will be even times when Jesus will ask us to do things that seem unfair. There will be days when Jesus will guide you in one direction, but every fiber of your being will try to convince you that another direction is better. There will be instances when Jesus will say, let it go. Have you had those instances? You, you want to hold on to something? Perhaps you want to you hold on to an old way. You want to hold on to a custom. You want to hold on to a tradition. Perhaps you want to hold on to a grudge. And Jesus says, let it go. There be times when Jesus will say, let it go, but your flesh will scream, I can't, or I won't, let it go. There will be occasion when Jesus will say, this is not my best for you. This is not the best I have for you. This is not my divine design for your life. There will be times when Jesus will say, you are living beneath your potential, beneath your dignity. This is not what I had in mind. I had in mind for you. But your passion, 
your pride, your pleasure will say, I, I know Jesus, I, I, I know Jesus, I understand, but this is what I want for myself. You see, the reality is we must all make choice. We have to make them every day. We got to make them every day. We have to make choices every day whether we will obey Jesus or disobey Jesus. We make those choices in our homes. We make those choices in our church. We make those choices in our schools. We make those choices in our communities. We make those choices in our business dealings. We make those choices when we do our taxes. We make those choices. Choice is, will I obey you, Jesus, or will I go my own way? It was Thomas Kempis who said, instant obedience is the only kind of obedience. Underscore that instant obedience is the only kind of obedience. Not Jesus, wait a minute. Not Jesus, hold on. I have these things I want to do. I have this I want to accomplish. I have this relationship I want to work through. And then I'll do it. No, Kemper says, instant obedience is the only kind of obedience. He goes on to write, delayed obedience is disobedience. In other words, if Jesus says, do it, and I delay, I postpone, I put it off, that's the same thing as disobedience. And then Kempis concludes, whoever strives, whoever strives, whoever strives, to withdraw from obedience, withdraws from grace. Don't miss that. When we withdraw from God's obedience, we withdraw ourselves from God's grace. When we step away from God's obedience, we step away from the grace that God will bestow upon us. You see, when we obey God, he graciously opens the windows of heaven and he blesses us exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ever think or imagine. When we obey God, when we say yes, he opens the windows of heaven and pours us our blessings we don't have room enough to receive. That's what happened to Simon and his partners. Watch the text. Verse 6 says, and when they had done this, that means when they had obeyed Jesus, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Imagine that. They obeyed Jesus on one hand, their nets broke on the other hand. They obeyed Jesus and their nets broke. Verse 7 so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come, help them. They say, guys, guys, look, come. Our nets are, are breaking. There's, there's enough for you. So they signaled for them to come. And they came, and the text says, and filled both boats so that they began.
began to sink. That's what's called blessings pressed down. Shaking together and running over. Don't miss that. They launched out. The nets were breaking. They called their partners. They came, filled both boats, and the boats began to sink. That's blessings pressed down, shaking together, running over. That's called, and my God will supply all you need according to his glorious and riches by Christ Jesus, but it's all contingent upon obedience. That's the lesson from Simon. When we obey, we get blessed. Well, here's the takeaway from verses 6 and 7. What happened on that fishing trip is a prototype to what happens in us, through us, and for us when we are obedient to the commands of Jesus Christ. So here's the reality. Simon could have followed his own inclinations. He could have been hard-headed. He could have been disrespectful. He could have been arrogant. He could have been prideful. He could have said to Jesus, Jesus, I got this. That sounds familiar to you. Jesus says, go one way, but we say, no, Jesus, hold up. I got this. Well, no, Jesus, they spoke out of turn to me. Jesus says, love, compassion. It's the way. Sounds familiar, but no, Jesus, I got this. Simon said, I, I, he could have said, I got this. I, I've been fishing all my life. In fact, Jesus, I want you to understand that I fish for a living. This is my profession. Not a part-time hobby. Not just something fun to do. But this is my life, Jesus. I know what I am doing. I fish for a living, so... I know all about this fishing thing. So here it is, Jesus. He could have said, here it is, Jesus. The fish are not biting. That's the first thing. I'm tired. That's the second thing. I'm going home. That's the third thing. But had Simon chosen that route to go his own way, to do his own thing, his nets would have remained empty. That's because emptiness is what we get when we are sit insist upon doing life our own way. That's the lesson from Simon's obedience, y'all. Emptiness is what we get when we insist upon doing it our own way. But praise be to God, Simon didn't go there. And neither should we. This story has an amazing conclusion. Look at verses 9 through 11. Simon confesses his sins at the knees of Jesus and professes Jesus as Lord. And Jesus says to him, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch me. Notice after Simon obeys Jesus, Jesus promotes him to a greater level of responsibility. Then that's a lesson. 
lesson from Simon's obedience that when we obey Jesus, he promotes us to greater levels of responsibility. You see, up to now, Simon had been working for himself. He'd been fishing for himself. Obviously, he had a pretty decent fishing business. He was, he was doing okay. Up to this point, Simon was making a living for himself. But after being obedient to Jesus, he's elevated. Now he is working for Jesus. His life has meaning. His life has satisfaction. He has joy and purpose in his life. Because he's fishing for men. That means he's leading people into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Simon, later known as Peter, lesson on obedience is simple. Blessings in life are a direct result of being obedient to Jesus Christ. Don't miss that. Blessings in life, our blessings come as a direct relationship to our being obedient to Jesus Christ. Him genius, John H. Samus, appropriately expresses the results of a life lived in obedience to Jesus with these words. And I'll close. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Here's the chorus. Here's the takeaway. Here's the big idea. Here's the praise. Here's the shout. Trust and obey. Good hope you're doing a wonderful job. Trust and obey. You've been following Jesus. Trust and obey. You're in his word daily. Trust and obey. You read it through your one year Bible every day. Trust and obey. You're participating in your small groups. Trust and obey. You're showing up for prayer times. Men's and women's. Study group, even in the midst of a pandemic, even in the midst of all that's going on, continue to trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. If you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, we extend you an opportunity today to come to Him just as you are. You may want to pray like this, Father, I confess my sins. And today I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If you've done that today, welcome to the family of God. We encourage you to connect with the church virtually. Um, and we certainly invite you to join us here at Good Hope. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and grant you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.